the number one thing is when we as parents make our children's lives about us, game over. It's not about us. Parent and teen mindset coach Vanessa Baker wants you to become the first person your kids want to talk and listen to, not the last. She's our guest on this episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression. Internet safety. Substance use. Body image. Self-injury. Suicide. Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens. Coping skills. Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Health. Hope. Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year, the official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative, interesting, inspiring. Win This Year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, Public Information Officer and Prevention Specialist for Not My Kid. Our guest for this episode is Vanessa Baker. Vanessa Baker is a parent and teen mindset coach. She has five teenagers and a toddler. She uses her background in education, business, and coaching to teach parents how to create healthy relationships with their teenagers and ultimately with themselves. She lives in Scottsdale, Arizona with her wife, kids, and her cat, Walter White. Vanessa, welcome to Win This Year. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. We are glad to have you here. From the little short conversations we've had prior to recording this episode, I am so excited. Kristen Poland, our CEO who booked this conversation, told me how great of a guest you were going to be, and I can already tell this is going to be really cool. How did awesome. you get started as a parent and teen coach, and what motivated you to head in that direction? Well, um, I taught high school. I have a business background. Um, I had five kids in five years. I was married. I was a stay-at-home, like homeschooling, like full-on Catholic <laughs> stereotype sort of mom. And um, when I got a divorce, I needed to start working. And I was like, supply chain management? Ew. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I studied. <laughs> but then I thought how funny raising kids is a lot like supply chain management. You're like taking the raw goods, right, the raw materials of who they are and, you know, um, their tendencies or personalities and add, you know what I mean? Like it's like just like a whole process, right, to turn out a great product, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. And, um, and so I've always really been drawn to teenagers. It's just this thing. Like, I love Monday mornings. I love early mornings. I love teenagers. Like, I love a lot of things that a lot of people despise <laughs> or have, like, a negative thing. And um, there's this one pivotal conversation with a mentor of mine. Um, and, and I'm like, what am I going to do, man? Like, I got to do something, but I'm a horrible employee. I'm such a maverick and, like, a crazy, you know, gut from the gut person. I'm not a great, uh, like rule follower. And, um, and, and so he's like, you got to do the teenager thing. And I'm like, who would ever want someone in their business with their family? And then flash forward a couple of years. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that I followed my gut and listened to him. 
following your instinct. I mean, that is what led me to not my kid. And you talk about yourself as a maverick and a from the gut kind of person. Those are the people that go out and change the world. The people who don't fit neatly into that little box are the ones that end up going out there and changing lives and, and changing the world. The wow, front page, you. you're very welcome. The front page of your website, um, I love this. In big, bold letters, it says, become the first person your kids want to talk and listen to, not the last. And that's such a crucial thing to aim for as a parent. What are some of the ways we can do that? And equally as important, what should we avoid when trying to do that? Well, the big, the most, the most core sort of belief or thing that I teach is for parents to understand that when they're being who they really are, their real authentic selves, and that could be who they used to be, or that could be a version of them that they've never been able to be. Mm. And so whatever that is, that's who their kids are going to respond to. And I'm talking when kids are two and when kids are, you know, 62, like any person. I don't really like to think even in terms of like parents and kids. Like I like to think we're all on a level playing field and there's no like hierarchy or power dynamic. It's real people who real people respond to. And kids are really um, more pure and less, you know, uh, programmed and, mm -hmm. you know, put in, you know, like just more right. <laughs> They're really the right ones. Yep. Usually when adults hate kids or teenagers is because they don't like to be called out on their crap. <laughs> yes. And, um, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So they're like a mirror for us. And so if we want to be the first person our kid talks to, a couple things. We need to be vulnerable and open with our kids about stuff, about our life and about what we're dealing with right now. Of course, there's a fine line like, hey, I'm about to not be able to pay the bills. Like, you've got to really, you know, decide how you want to say something like that. But I can't tell you how important I think it is for parents to tell their kids the truth because they know when people are lying. And then how do they trust a lying person mm -hmm. to, um, how do they share their life with someone honestly when they've been modeled we don't tell the truth. Like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Right? Do you, do you see what I mean? Definitely. And it, we need to show them that not only do we need to be honest, sometimes we're not fine. And it's okay to not right. be okay. It, you right. hit the nail on the head. I have gotten more truth from my eight-year-old daughter than maybe from anybody else that I've ever met. Yep. Yep. They're smart. They're, they're our guides. I mean, I say all the time, my 17-year-old kid... Um, they are the most influential human in my life because they're so counter to me and, and everything I'm like, this is not my baby. <laughs> like I knew <laughs> when they were like, you know, like minutes and hours old, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what did I just get? My first kid was just like me. He's 18 and linear and, and like proper and like conservative and like in his thinking linear, you know, and then this kid came along and I'm like, what is this? And, <laughs> and, and that kid is the one who has shaped me the most because I was able to be humble. And I wish, like, I do share a lot of the texts that my kid, my five teenagers send to me and I put them on my Facebook and it's like, 
mom, so I'm going to um, quit Red Bull and then I'm going to quit nicotine. And people are like, oh, you know, we'll say like, your child smokes. I'm like, yeah, yours probably does too. They just don't talk to you. They're about not it. letting you know. Right. And so it's like, or, you know, fill in the blank for whatever human thing our kids are dealing with. And so it's like, would you like to be on the inside of what's actually going on? Or would you like to be on the outside thinking that you know what's going on? So another thing, like to answer your question um, more directly, we have to listen. We have to listen and say, oh, what do you not say things like, what do you have to be depressed about? Mm. What are you stressed out about? You don't know what stress is. And, and like so many parents just shut down their children when they try to share and talk with them or they don't realize that by sharing about what's happening in their Discord server and their Minecraft world that they really are trying to share something important and so they shut it down and they don't listen. And then the kid is like, "Oh, got it. You're you're not into what I have to say," and they move along. And I can't, and I can't outside. approach you. Yep. Yeah. No one of any age likes to be told that their problems aren't real. We would not do that, or should not do that, at least to another adult. Why would right. it be any different with our kids? And and if they're the, if we're the ones they look to to set the standard for relationships and communication and connection. And they come and they pour their heart out about something that's important to them or something they're struggling with. If we look at it through that lens of adulthood, like, well, compared to my adult problems, it doesn't seem like a big deal. We're failing to look at it through the right perspective. It's what does right. it mean to them? And yeah. I, you know, I make myself remember my daughter's eight. I remember I make myself remember what did I feel like at eight years old? Or when I'm working yeah. with high school kids, going through those roller coaster transition years and then they've got added on top that i didn't have in high school you didn't have in high school social media and then the covid pandemic changing yeah. everything and all that uncertainty right. so i love that and by the way you mentioned those texts i've seen on your facebook i thought that was so cool and your captions have basically indicated that you are there to help them navigate their way but you allow them the grace and the room to find their own path and and to work their way through those mm -hmm. things. And I get to be by their side. Wow. Instead of in the dark, you know, like that is so cool. Like it's 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 stunning like the honesty. I mean, I'm not going to like I mean real I won't be graphic here, but like real pivotal like love relationship moments, can I just say that? I mean, I've been the first call after one of those situations with one of my kids like that makes me want to cry do you know what i'm saying like that they would say mom guess what just happened instead of this like lying and hiding and so so you know now what i i think so much i think like full time i think in my sleep i'm always like thinking about this parent and and child relationship thing and i'm thinking about my own and i'm thinking about everybody else's and what i hear and my clients and it's like <laughs> i wish i could just turn it off sometimes but one thing that i've gotten to in my my thinking is that the number one i really do i i might be tied for something else but i'm going to say it now the number one thing is when we as parents make our children's lives about us, mm. game over. It's not about us. 
Nothing they do is about us. Not the good things they do, not the quote bad things they do. I guess I should put good in quotes too. They are sovereign nations. They are literally their own people. And whatever they do is not about us. Wouldn't that be so cool if parents could stop making their kids victories and losses and living of life about them? And I see that too. I, you know, it, I, the instant thing that pops into my mind is the stereotype of the, of the little league parent, you know, that mm-hmm. the, the kid went 0 for 4 and the, and the dad's berating him after the game. And it's mm-hmm. not about you. That's not only a good reminder as a parent, that's a good reminder when dealing with other human beings, period. <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. is going on with them, it's not about us. You know, most of the time they're right. not even thinking about us. They're worrying about no. their own set of challenges and, and things. What you said right. re- reminded me of a question I had for you. Is there a difference between parenting and relationship? And if so, what is it? Um, yeah, I do think there's a difference because I think parenting is like a really, really loaded word and people turn into these like parenting robots and they're like, you will listen to me. You will respect me. Don't talk to me in that tone. Go to your room. You know, don't hit your brother as they smack their (laughs) kid across the head. You know, like, like all these cliche things that parents are supposed to say, parents are supposed to care about. You know, like you have to get good grades. Like all we we buy in to all these rules, and it's like I know that the people who are so worried about following all the rules, they're just scared of breaking the rules, of of like how you're supposed to raise your kid. And then there's all the rhetoric about like, oh my gosh, they did that. Why didn't their parents know? How come they didn't do something? You know, it's the parents' fault. It's the parents' fault. And and so like there's so much fear and pressure about how we're supposed to be as parents. But if we if we remove that entire like universe of rules and regulations and expectations that are put on us normally by guess who? You take a guess, Shane. Who puts that pressure on us as parents? Other parents or ourselves? Yep, and our parents too. All of that. Yes. Like triple yes. Our parents, ourselves, but I think it comes from our parents a lot of times. And then, yes, other parents, but then it's coming from their parents. Like the generations, you know, before us, it was like, don't air your dirty laundry. You know, all the rules don't make us look bad. Even things like in our family, we never, if you're a Shaw, well, that's my maiden name, my kid's name, you know, like if you're a baker, if you're a this, if you're a that, we don't do that in this family, in this household, right? And so there's like this pressure of like you have to be like this turned out product. And so all of that is like what I'd put under the heading of, ooh, parenting, ouch, scary. It's hard enough to be a person, much less one of these parenting persons. So then, yeah, relationship, that's like soul to soul, heart to heart. You can throw all that away and find out this is what's needed. You mentioned the the standard that was around for a long time and still is to a certain extent that don't yeah. air your dirty laundry. I have met uh, a number of parents who who have lost a child to an overdose. Um, I have met some parents who have lost a child to suicide. I've met parents yeah. who yeah. saw their child struggling and we're afraid to act on it. And there's multiple reasons, but one of the ones that they had told me was we were afraid of what other people 
would Shame. think. Exactly. Shame. And it's yeah. me mental health and behavioral health is health. It's not a failure of morality. It does not make you less of a person. It does yeah. not make you a quote unquote bad parent. And yeah. so that don't air your dirty laundry, very few problems in life, if any, can be solved by us not talking about them. <laughs> and I like the yeah. focal point on relationship. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. because your kids coming to you the way they do with the things that they, they can come talk to you about. That's incredible because one of the scariest things, I don't need to tell you this as a parent, is when your child is dealing with a major life challenge, yep. a major decision, they're hurt, they're struggling, they're stressed, and they yep. don't come to us. Right. And they right. isolate. I wrote, yes, yep. I wrote this. I had a vision, like a, a visual thing in my book that I wrote, which is like, like I pictured it like this. I'll give it to you. So there's like this, imagine a dark, a dark bedroom, right? And it's your child's bedroom and, and above, uh, in the windows, let's look at the windows. There's like people peering in to judge, you know, to wait and catch you doing something bad. And there are a lot of people crowded around. Then imagine like a, you know, a Wall Street, like ticker tape. You know what I mean? Those mm -hmm. things going around, like the words going yep. around. That represents social media comments. And, you know, that's just like nonstop around. And there's like the glow of the phone or the iPad or the laptop or whatever there. And they're sitting in there and they're scared and they're alone. But, and then they know and like instinctually that it's their parents, right? I mean, even animals like go to their, you know, like just like instinctual, right? But that doorway to lead to the hall, to the next doorway where their parents are to help them, it's like there's a guillotine in the doorway. And it's like, I'm going to get in trouble if I share. So they're, they'd rather be in the scary place you know, sitting there with their head down, you know, in their arms alone than to go to their parents because, back to the other point, parents are supposed to bust their kids. Parents are supposed to catch their kids. Parents are supposed to punish their kids. That's what people believe. But when you're the one they're supposed to turn to, why didn't you tell me? Oh, my God, because when I leave my towel on the floor, you take away my phone for a week. Now I'm going to tell you that I'm in deep in drugs, in into you know porn addiction, into you know like I mean I can't even list everything you know just like depression, mental illness, cutting, um, eating disorder, behavior you know like like suicidal ideation whatever right mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you about that and you're you're telling me that you'd be calm and cool and be there for me when you freak out about the trash and you see what I'm saying? You Definitely. punish me for everything, but I can come to you like that does not compute. No, that, that's where the actions don't match up to the words. 75, 75% yeah. of kids who have been sexually solicited online will not tell their parents. Number one reason they are afraid of getting in trouble. Right. And wouldn't we want to know? I mean, it's a ridiculous question to even ask. If our child is being approached by a predator online, we want to know immediately. But if we have not right. set the standard that makes it clear to them, they can come to us without that fear. Right. They're right. not going because to. We're, 
fear-based, yeah. right? Because we're walking around so scared that our parents are going to find out, or our friend, or we're going to lose our friends. You know, like the mom and dad friends who we've inherited because we were in gymboree classes when they were babies, or going like little league, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, you go up through the ranks, and you don't want your kid to be thought of as the bad kid, and then everyone stops inviting you to, you know, to Coronado Island in the summer and on vacation, and then we're, you know, left out as parents because. Our kid is dealing with something real. And I deal, I work with so many teenagers. And if I could, like, you know, that old thing, if I had a dime for every time I heard this, don't tell my parents, they'll kill me. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you serious? You know, like, like your parents need to know this. And then, of course, I'm like, I'm an advocate for this. I'm like, so then I, that's why when I started this business, I thought I would really be able to make a big change by just talking to teenagers and working with teenagers and coaching them and taking a different approach than therapy, you know, like more results-based and, um, you know, action, accountability type stuff. And then I realized, like, there's, they have no, no hope unless their parents are seeing them in a different way. And what they're doing that's, quote, wrong, which is why their parents would hire me as, like, a hired hitman, you know, to fix it, yeah. a fixer. Um, their behaviors that were like the negative ones that that brought me into the picture were 100%, I'm not even going to say 99, responses and reactions and natural, um, I guess just reactions to the environment that their parents were creating. A few moments ago, a couple minutes ago, uh, you, when you were giving that visual description of the kid being afraid to cross through the guillotine to go get help from their parents. You mentioned your book. You've authored a book entitled From Mean to Real Clean, How to Create a Fully Functional Relationship with Your Teenager. Now, in the last few questions, you've kind of uh, you've kind of already answered this question, but I'd like to ask you directly, yeah. what does a fully functional parent-teen relationship look like and entail? Okay, so I have another like story visual thing for you again. Okay, so like teenagers, I love, I love talking about what, what does that even mean? Like people don't even think it's possible. So why would they ask what it means? <laughs> you know, so thank you for the question. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine like you're 85, God willing, and your kids like what, like 60, 55 or something. And, and, and you guys ha- are old people together and you're talking about like what denture glue you use and stuff. <laughs> and like, there's something so far past parenting in quotes and teenager and parent stuff that people forget. Like we're setting up a foundation of a, like, hopefully a lifelong, very special bond a relationship that could, it could last forever. But how many, how, do you know this, Shane? Like how many parents who are like, they're both old, right? They have grandparent, grandkids, great grandkids, and there's still the same kind of drama that used to be called teenager stuff that's still playing out 40, 30 years later. That's you know true. what I mean? Yes. Right? It doesn't go away. And you hear about all these stories about like, oh, my, my child won't let me see my grandchild. And it's like, well, that started when they were like 14. This was on its way. There's something really interesting. I'm, I'm kind of count oppositely answering it um, where this, again, I would be rich if I, if I got a dime for every time. I ask kids, and no one asks kids this. 
so is this really, really a thing? Or are you literally like contriving this problem and this behavior and this whole act to punish your parents? And they're like, oh, yeah, this really gets them good. This is why I do it. I'm not really this. I don't really think that. But this is my way of getting back at my parents and regaining some power and autonomy because power is the currency in the house. So, like, that's huge to realize. So I'm just actually going to read this little part. I pulled it up. Okay. So what does a fully functional relationship look like, sound like, feel like? And I said, here's the thing we all want and the thing people swear we can't have. It's the thing people say must be fake or must be because you're a pushover parent. Do you believe it is possible to be all you, full out, holding back nothing and allowing your teenager the space to do the same while you both interact and support each other? Like, what a cool way to be, right? Do you, do you see, like, is that, does that articulate what you want for yourself and your daughter and what for your wife wants with herself and your daughter? Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, I, I got sober nine and a half years ago. And since yeah. that happened, being vulnerable is something I've been able to do a whole lot more. And in order to be your authentic self, you have to be vulnerable. And in order for my daughter to be her authentic self, she has to know that she can be that way with me. And that's something yeah. I'm happy to say because I, I, I was able to turn back to the person I knew I was capable of being before she was born. Yeah. That's is something that not only is a goal, we absolutely work on that as a family. Yeah, it's cool, right? I mean, like, I really appreciate that that's what you guys are up to. And it's true. It's like messiness and imperfection. Like, yeah, like that's normal. That's not the enemy. Like, let's have some humor about it. Let's lighten up, right? There's a cohesiveness that happens when people are like shoulder to shoulder, like us against life or the world, mm -hmm. not like against, but you know, versus like these internal wars. And you've heard it a million times. Like if there's strife inside of a family, like then the next ring out is the community. Their next ring out is the, the city, the state, the world, right? Like the country, the world, like that's why I call myself a social change strategist on my bio on Facebook because like social change has to start in families and I didn't invent that idea or anything, but it's absolutely true. Like, oh my gosh, Shane, think about my client base is like, it's very interesting. Like these people are normally like extremely successful and, and, and like powerful, successful, I don't know how else to say it, in their, in in many aspects of their lives. But this one thing is like haunting them that they can't get through to their teenager or their teenager never listens to them in their view and they never, their teenager shuts them out or fights with them all the time. And it's like, you could have all the trappings of a beautiful life, but if you don't have these relationships working, it's just, I don't know how to end that sentence. It's just sad, you know, it's. How much is everything else worth? If you can't yeah. have that. Right. You, right. You, it, mm -hmm. you absolutely nailed it. Like if, if everything else pales in comparison to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like going on vacation, it's summertime. It's like people, I, there's this one person I talked to. It was so funny. It's like a, you know, uh, she wanted to know more about what I do. And she's like, we got an RV and we have like six, I think they have six kids or something. And she's like, now all we're going to do is go travel around and fight in a smaller space. I'm so miserable. <laughs> like you want to enjoy life. 
Oh. <laughs> the vacations sound like a nightmare. Yeah. You know, if kids even want to go anywhere with their parents. And and I'm not saying it in a judgmental way. Like, I never, and that's the thing I'm, like, known for is, like, making it comfortable for people to be real. It's like, it's, oh, I have so much compassion for the jam that parents are in. It is the most unique challenge and blessing simultaneously that I've ever had in my entire life. It is because when have I ever had a tiny human being, you know, who's looking to be, you know, for, for the example, and I'm supposed to keep this little person alive and show them how to be a, a member of society. And it's, um, yeah, I've, I've seen exactly what you're talking about too, where, it doesn't matter someone's vocation or what demographic mm-hmm. they fall in or their socioeconomic status. Like that challenge with teenagers, you could be the most successful person in the world. And I've still seen those individuals dealing with that. Right, right. In it's, your book, it's a really real thing. When in, in the title, the words mean, real, and clean in your book title are actually acronyms. What does mean stand for? So mean, it stands for misunderstood, entitled, authoritarian, and numb. And I right away say, like, I don't think you're mean. You might think you're mean. Your kids might say you're mean, but it's something totally different. So that first letter M is for misunderstood. How would you demonstrate how to make a breakthrough in, in that situation, like in conversation, what is, what does that look like misunderstood? And what do you do about that? So in misunderstood, I talk a lot about like, well, poor communication is the obvious one, right? Like we don't communicate what's really going on. Our kids don't understand. How could they, we didn't understand what it's like to the pressure of being a parent, you know, even a few years into being a parent sometimes. So like, there's a lot of like, you know, gap of like understanding and, and we don't communicate what it's like. And then, but the main or the first point I make in that chapter is talking about self-care. Like when a mom or a dad walks around angry and snappy and critical and stressed out, chances are they're struggling with, with taking care of their own life. It's not about the kids. The kids are the ultimate scapegoat and the smellier and hairier and taller they get, you know, like it, more hormonal and all, right? Like it's it's more and more and more, but it really is a personal responsibility thing. So if a, a breakthrough would look like a parent saying, I, this this is not about you. I'm not sleeping. I'm I'm not eating well. I'm dehydrated. <laughs> I hate my job. My finances are a wreck. And And if you were to, like if parents take those on, they will realize that they're not mean at all. They're just in deep, and then they act like all their stress is due to parenting. You know, I hope I'm not oversimplifying that. Did that answer your question? Definitely. No, that's a big one. That poor communication that, you know, misunderstood seems to be a result of, of, of failing to articulate and failing to clarify. Poor communication is one of the biggest things that we see driving family stress and family stress is one of the biggest risk factors for teens as you know using substances self-injuring dealing with anxiety and stuff like that no that makes perfect sense to clarify to your team to your child what you're seeing here isn't about you it's not as a result of you i've got xyz going on 
I like right. that not only because it clarifies that it's what they're seeing is not a result of them, but you're also at the same time setting that standard by example that it's okay to mention when you're not okay. It's okay. Yeah. Not only can right. you come tell me, I'm demonstrating to you that I'm a human being and I've got I've got fears and I've got doubts and I've got yeah. challenges just like you do. So no, that makes perfect sense. I'm gonna plug uh, a blog I wrote. We'll put it down in the show notes. The self care for parents: eight dimensions mm-hmm. of personal wellness. Um, nice. E in mean stands for entitled. What does that look mm-hmm. like, and how do you make a breakthrough in that situation? Oh man, this one's so good. So this sounds like like. I work so hard for you. You're, and then you don't, you know, you don't want to like, like I am the parent, I'm the adult, Mm -hmm. I'm the one paying the bills. So now you need to be happy. You need to smile. You need to appreciate it. You know, like, like we are not entitled also. I mean, this, I go a lot of different directions with this. Another one just to brush over it like a little bit. It's like, you're not entitled to a straight kid. You're not entitled to a kid who likes sports because you do. You're not entitled to a kid who is cheery all the time and has a certain type of personality mm-hmm. that you would find pleasurable. You don't get to, like, do you see what I mean? Like, like there's no, you're not the owner and, like, of your child. We're not entitled to anything. People go through stuff, and then it's like, it's not about us. So if a child is going through life, something called life, <laughs> you know, then their responses and their like ways of coping and all of that, like it doesn't get to look the way we think it should look. Like, uh, d- does that does that translate pretty well? It absolutely does make sense. Yeah, it's it's they like they don't owe us anything. That's what I mean. They don't owe us anything. No, and, and that goes back to what you something you said very early on in our conversation that their life is not about us. So it's right. not about them making us happy. It's not about them exactly. fitting in a mold that we think that they yep. should fit in, et cetera. Making us look good. Right, right. Oh, wow, you must be such a good mom. Your child has a 4.5, and he's getting talked to by Division One schools. You know, people will say that that's like my firstborn, right, like mm-hmm. for basketball. It's just like this phenom, just this amazing – like we are all like, where did he come from? Like he has no <laughs> mental health stuff. Like we all have, you know, anxiety and depression issues. A lot of us do in the in the family, and um, and he has no like drama. He's just like so nice and so handsome and so just like right. And then and then I could easily take credit for that and be like, yes, of course, that's how I raised him, <laughs> right? And then <laughs> and then you meet my second kid who must have like ten piercings and probably a 100 poke stick and poke tattoos who smokes who um drinks red bull like it's food and like and is like looks like most people's worst nightmare well that's the kid i said is the most influential person to me and i could say oh my gosh i'm so ashamed because that kid doesn't fit the mold and that kid doesn't even go by she or he that kid's a they and that kid doesn't identify like they're supposed you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so then but i'm like Neither one. Is, I'm not entitled to anybody turning out away. I get to watch. I get to be here and see, and I get to be their guide and their their shoulder to shoulder partner in all of it. That aligns. That's very similar. That aligns with something that I'm 
very glad to hear frequently in our Project Rewind Early Intervention Program, uh, we have parents and teens come in there together. And one of the exercises we do is we have them write down their answers to reflection questions. And one of the parent questions is, what are what do you, you know, what do you want your child's story to look like in 10 years? And I'm happy yeah. to say that the vast majority of parents, if I were to narrow down their answers into two themes that I'm hearing over and over, is they want them to be healthy and happy. They're yeah. not trying to pick their path. They're not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. They're saying, I just want you to thrive. And right. so that, you know, that the opposite of entitled, the opposite of you need to be who I want you to be is saying, yeah. I want you to be healthy and happy. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that too. I don't get to see a whole lot of that. Um, but because that's who's hiring me, right? You know, but, <laughs> yes. but, um, but I'm really happy to hear that. But I, you know, I've on the flip side, I and and I think I've mentioned this on a recent show. I have met plenty of kids, uh, not typically in Project Rewind, but you know, at presentations mm -hmm. at schools and things like that. Mm -hmm. I've met junior high kids. I have met a junior high student who said to me, "I have to get into Harvard." And mm -hmm. this was either eighth, seventh or eighth grade. And this is a kid, and it's great that our kids want to be high achievers. It's great that they're aiming for something like that. But when I hear that, I I wonder, is that coming from you? Is that what you want? Or are you being told that this is this is what you have to do in order yeah. to win some kind of approval? So right. I do see both sides of it, but I, I'm really encouraged with, with the answers that I see in Project Rewind. It's, you know, we want you to be healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. The right. third letter, A, is authoritarian. How do we, what does that look like? Um, obviously, the word itself is explains quite yeah. a bit. But can you Very explain true. what that phrasing would look like and, you know, how we make a breakthrough to not be like that? Yeah, yeah. One time I wrote, I made up a little quote and I put it out there and it got like a lot of, um, like people were like, wow, like that's it. I wrote that powerful parenting has nothing to do with exhibiting your power. Mm. It's like, very, it's counterintuitive but it, it's it's a hundred percent. I'm serious. Like I know I've, I'm I'm kind of like an extra person, but like I do think it's a hundred percent. It's like when you don't try to gain power, you feel more powerful. Or when you do try to gain power, that's what I was saying. Like I love this story. I wrote it in the book too, where this kid feigned a certain. Uh, political affiliation that was massively massively offensive to his um, immigrant mother um, just to make her mad and he literally bought red hats and joined clubs and had paraphernalia of things around his house and and I'm like and she's like I'm literally going to kill him please talk to him right now like I can't take this it's like almost like bordering on abuse from him right of and he's like no just pushing her buttons my best way and at the time her goal was to try to like change him and fix him and make him away and make him respond and react and engage with her in a certain way and he was not having it so when you have the goal in mind that you're going to overpower people a couple things happen you're going to hear exactly what you want to hear because they know exactly what to say to shut you up and that is so common you think everything's fine and really the kids like oh I just say that because that's what they want to hear and I'm like wow they think it's real do you see what I'm saying like how icky that is 
And then, um, and then also what the second thing I was going to say is seeking power and trying to like dominate people in a, an authoritarian way only turns them into the same type of person. So you're just creating someone to fight with who thinks that fighting and winning and power plays are how it works. So that's a pretty simple one, right? When the focal point of a relationship for one individual is power and control, that's the definition yeah. of an unhealthy relationship. Yep. You know, we had a right. few a few months ago, uh, we had a representative from Chrysalis, a uh, domestic violence organization. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a parent-child, when the focal point is power and control, that's right. not healthy. And so I like that you explained that powerful parenting has nothing to do with exhibiting your power. It's it's right. making a powerful impact in a really positive way. Yeah, humility. It's about humility. Humility is my all-time favorite virtue. Like you're the and you know I know you have like a faith um I read about you and you're so amazing. Anybody who hasn't read about you needs to like realize you're not like some talking head dude on the news about not my kid like you're so important and your story is so important thank you very much and um you're welcome and and like humility is is like that vulnerability i think it's like the mom of vulnerability is humility you know what i mean yes it's like you have when we're humble and open and not scared of being judged or looked down upon or critic, you know, criticized. Like that is when things happen. I have this amazing tool that I created for my course, which is like the book, but I add on like a whole other like super juicy part at this another part that's not in the book. I talk about it in the book, so you can find out. But it's like one of the steps is to write a real clean letter to your teen. And this is an opportunity, and I walk people through it like very much. Don't do this. Do, do this. This isn't you being a victim and giving your kid a sob story. I have a whole letter from a mom that I typed out because it was handwritten when it was sent to me, and then the daughter's response, and they had a very difficult relationship. So, like, this is a powerful move to make, and the basis of this real clean letter is I'm taking responsibility for this, for that, for this trauma, for that attitude I have, for this belief I have about you that isn't really true, and and for how I'm carrying out my past hurts onto you, and like to really look deeply at that, and it is a game changer. That accountability is that's absolutely yeah. fantastic, and you have to have humility to be able to do that. Um, it takes courage to do that. But like you said, it's right. a game changer. That's when you have those breakthrough moments. I, yep. I like the focal point on humility because, you know, the A in authoritarian, it's almost like the opposite of authoritarianism is humility. And right. I have to admit, I mean, there's times where all we'll, we'll be at home and I'll be grumpy about something and I've got my <laughs> I have serious guy grumpy face on whatever. And my daughter and or my wife will just start laughing at me. And then yeah. I'll start laughing. And they're not doing it in a disrespectful way or lacking no. empathy or anything because when 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 I start laughing, then at that point I realize, okay, I'm I'm being kind of ridiculous. And I gotta own yeah. that. Like, okay, th this is not as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. And that's another thing with sobriety that I really started to embrace. I take what I do very seriously, but I do not take myself too seriously because right. you Same. if you don't Same. have a sense of humor. Man, life is really gonna, you know, get to you. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's actually funny you said that because that's kind of my rep, you know, like with people who refer me for coaching. I coach people who don't have kids too. Like I love coaching people who are like just trying to do better in their businesses and that kind of thing and just kind of trying to like figure out themselves. And um, I'll be like laughing. I'm like, this is so exciting. Oh, my God. Or what? Like I like the levity that I bring and the laughing about like, Wait, so hold on. And I'm just saying it back, but like in a funny way to parent clients, to non-parent clients, it is the funniest thing. And I have this reputation of like, yeah, Sean said you were crazy, but I mean, I think I should work with you anyway. Like I'm like, it doesn't have to be clinical and like therapeutic and, and difficult and serious and hard to, to help people, which is my job to have massive breakthroughs in their basically kind of what you said, their ridiculousness. And you know, something's off, but you're just so in it, you know, like in the muck of it that you can't see, like it's a blind spot, right? And so I think that's one of my most, um, the gifts that I have, one I'm the most grateful for is my ability to bring humor to the insanity of humanity and help people go, I do do that, don't I? With no judgment and we just laugh our heads off and then we start a new path, you know? Like that's so cool, right? That can make such a huge difference. The ability to laugh yeah. about something like that and to be like, okay, let's let's get let's get started. I noticed your sense of humor in the first email that you sent me, and it was like it immediately put me at ease. And it and it kind of you you seem like one of these people that no one is a stranger to. Like I was immediately right. like I feel <laughs> like I've already known this person. And when you're cool. trying to make a breakthrough with someone, when you're trying to help someone who is dealing with those challenges. That's so important because it's one of the ways that it shows them immediately that you're a safe person. That, you yeah, know, right. not only are you not right. going to be judged, but that you're human. And, and I could see where that would put people at ease in a way, even with some individuals who would be hesitant to go into a more clinical situation because of right. the formality and the stiffness exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you get me. Do you want to be my agent? Yeah, you <laughs> Are, totally th- get me. I think we've become best friends today. <laughs> Already. Oh my gosh. Really? That was yesterday. Yeah, I know. And you know what's funny too, though? I have to say this because people you know, can misunderstand this. In no way am I pretending to be a therapist or a doctor or be able to treat mental health Mm -hmm. stuff. I am the number one referrer without a doubt to my family's psychiatrist. I send so many people, I'm like, copy, copy, um, you know, Adam, the, the, um, he's booked up now. No one can even see him because I think I've sent so many people over there. I'm like, you need a diagnosis. You need mental health. Yes. I mean, I worked with a guy for a year and a half, not with his family, only with him, only on his own personal stuff as like a, you know, a business guy. And he's a, he's a coach himself, like for, um, corporate C-suite people in Canada. And, um, we talked for so long and I'm like, dude, it's depression, dude, it's depression, dude, it's depression. And he's like, F you, I hate you, I'm so mad at you. I'm finally going to the doctor and guess what? Depression, guess what? I'm treating it. Guess what? I'm feeling better and I hate you so much. And I'm like, (laughs) you don't understand how much I love being hated for stuff like that. When people say I hate you, (laughs) you know, I'm like, good. They're making that uncomfortable change. They're making that progress. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I am not pretending to be a mental health care worker. 
I am a coach, and I'm like, okay, here's the play. you got to run. I'll literally have people hang up. They're being hundreds of dollars to talk to me, right? I'm like, hang up. What? Hang up. It's our hour. It's valuable, right? I'm like, nope. I'm not going to finish this call until you make the call and to your doctor yes. and leave effing message. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, okay, call me back when you're done. And they call me back, and that ball started rolling, and they're on their way. Oh, it could make me cry to getting freedom yes. because they're dealing with reality. And and parents, I've had parents chew my butt out in writing and on the phone, and I love it, honestly, because they're like, how dare you talk to my child about depression or mental health or anxiety or OCD or anything? Like, how dare you say those words? That is none of your business. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay, cool, peace out. But you need to you need to look into that. Please follow gonna... up on it. Yeah, yep. like get mad at me, but but please get that someday you're gonna get that this wasn't like a shameful thing for me to bring up. That connection to the mental health professional is crucial. I tell parents this all the time. There, There is no substitute for professional help, but I'm sure that you've dealt with plenty of people who would have never gone straight to that until right. those walls started right. coming down through their right. interactions with you. And that's right. where you as a coach or myself as a prevention specialist or at Not My Kid, the peer support individuals, when you start to build that rapport and you gain that trust and you show that person there are yep. people that you can trust. There are people who do care, who will take their time, yep. who are trauma-informed. And then yep. when they get to that state of readiness, you can then make yep. that connection. Whereas That's with a lot right. of them, they may never have been willing to go seek that mental health professional if you hadn't made right. that connection with them. Yep. What I'm is the gateway drug to mental You health. are. You are exactly <laughs> the best kind of gateway drug to be. What's the N in, in uh, excuse me, uh, the N in yeah. mean is the word numb. Let's discuss right. what numb looks like and how you make a breakthrough with numb. Well, okay, this is perfect. This is like so easy because, you know, oh, kids are just gaming all the time and they're only on TikTok and Snapchat and blah, 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 right, right? And then, and then like they're, they're just numbing out and they never go outside and then those, those, of us who want to say that need to just look in the mirror. We're numbing out in our own ways. We're doing it too. And then there, it's like the righteousness that parents like point their finger at their kid for playing, you know, what Fortnite and Call of Duty and whatever all the time on Xbox Live or or being on TikTok and all of that stuff. But we have our own versions of that. It's called we're drinking a glass of wine tonight and two tomorrow and three the next night. And by, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's, there's all the ways to numb. There's shopping, there's exercise, there's dieting there. I mean, there's working. Hello. Yes. right? Workaholism among parents who I deal with is very high. Th this man, Oh, he, I'm working with his whole family right now. And he said, and he, he didn't really want to get into this with me. His wife was pushing it pretty hard, but he decided to, after we had a meeting up phone call, he decided I wasn't too awful <laughs> to talk to. And um, he goes, so, wow, what I'm getting is I need to do less for my family and more with my family. Yes. And I was like, boom. And then it's like him admitting, you know, and many parents over the time I've worked with parents, like to admitting that I don't really have that much to do. It's just my escape. I'm numbing out. 
And so it can look like also numbing out on our children, like, okay, all right, they've got to join this club, and oh, my gosh, and they've, they've gotten down to a 92 in honor science and chemistry, and like they're like completely numbing out on their own life, mm-hmm. their own passions, their own self by obsessing about their kids' lives. So, I, again, I take each of these words in multiple sort of unexpected directions, but the main thing with numb is like we're doing it too, and we need to realize that our poop stinks too, mm-hmm. and that that they can't see us scroll. Oh, it's for work. Okay, I'm just reading work emails. Yeah, but you're still staring at a screen too. And I'm not anti-screen or anti-gaming by any means. I think kids can. There are a lot of benefits to kids like who have zero friends having friends on Minecraft servers. You know, like mm-hmm. I I have a lot to say about that. It's not, it's not like they say it's not the um, guns don't kill people. People kill people. It's mm-hmm. kind of like screens don't ruin lives. People do. It's yes. like a, it's not the thing. It's not the thing's fault. So I don't like you know uh, go off on that very much. But we have to get that we are again, like you said, it's us. We're a mirror of our kids. What else? If there's if we're not showing up for our kids, they're going to default to doing a lot of things that look wasting time. That look like wasting time to us. So we've got to show up and wake up and get our heads out of our you-know-whats and become aware of what's happening with us, with our bodies, with our health, with our life, with our spirituality, with our everything. That workaholism that you talk about as a form of numbing out, it's its, it's a drug for some people, and it mm-hmm. it gets a pass. I feel like it gets a pass in our society, especially if you compare the United States with a lot of European countries you know, the focus on being the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, mm-hmm. the richest, the most powerful, mm-hmm. and at what cost? What is the cost that you're paying for that? You know, you're answering those work emails, and you've got your little kid next to you tugging on your sleeve like, you know, yes. Daddy, come play with me. Yeah. You know, what price are you paying for that? And mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because even, you know, you mentioned, you know, the alcohol is away and, and other things. Some people are you know, they're becoming aware of the various ways that parents numb out. But I feel like that workaholism gets overlooked because it's Mm -hmm. it's like almost applauded in the society that we live in. And if it's damaging your relationship with your child, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? And I would hope the answer would be, would be no. Right. And then, but we want our kids to join the rat race in preschool, you know, and like, like be like that. Like it is, it's so honored. And then you know, there is that last time that your kid pokes you and taps, pulls on your shirt, yep. you know, wants your attention and before they realize it's bankrupt and they're going to go a different direction. And then funny thing is, then the parents will say, kids are so moody. God, they're just so shut down these days. They never talk to us teens these days. It's like, I don't, I, and I, and I worry about saying this sometimes, but I've gotten over it, but I'm just telling you it's kind of there, but like, my kids know I'm going to listen to them, and my kids don't roll their eyes at me. I don't fight with my kids. My kids don't have attitudes towards me. My kids and I don't jab each other and hurt each other. I don't punish my kids. That's who people are going to be like, what? You're, oh, you're just being their best friend. I'm like, I'm yeah, I'm being the best friend they will ever have, and I'm setting the the standard for how they should be a friend to themselves. And, and I'm really, really proud of that. It doesn't have to be the way that 
people think it has to be to raise kids. And that's like my, I will be saying that on my deathbed. It's not hard. You're making it hard. Or yes, it's, yeah, I think that's it. Like we're making it so much harder than it needs to be because we're so out of touch with ourselves. So the major breakthroughs come in my work from working with the parents, like I said before, because as soon as a parent gets, you know, re, um, re, what's the word? Like where you get, you meet yourself again. What's the word? Re, oh, uh, acquainted. Reacquainted. Acquainted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Reacquainted or first meets them, their true selves for the first time through all the work I put them through and books I make them read and conversations that we have. Then they start to realize that like, there's nothing to this parenting thing. It's not that hard. And I don't mean to belittle the hardness, but we're making it hard. You get it? Does that, did that translate? Yes, it sounds like it comes down to connection, connection with yes. your kids and connection with yourself in order to be able to yes. be connected to your kids. Is there anything else you'd like to add or anything I may have overlooked? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, that like, you know, I've been saying this little thing lately. I'm like, being stuck sucks and getting help helps. You know, like if 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 people could just realize that it's it's like responsible. I don't know, whatever context helps the most for each individual or anything, but like it is so enlivening. It's like jumping into a cold pool or something. Yeah, you're scared, jumping off a little cliff. Like it's scary at first, but once you get in, like it is so, such a relief to have someone on your side. And I just want people to realize that. And it doesn't need to be through me, no way. It doesn't matter who, but just, the idea of getting help through Not My Kid and your amazing, like, myriad of resources and referral network, you know, it's just like, please, please do that today. Our guest today has been Vanessa Baker. Her book, From Mean to Real Clean, How to Create a Fully Functional Relationship with Your Teenager, is available on Amazon. You can also learn more about Vanessa, listen to her podcast, and read her blog post by visiting her website at vbakermindset.com. Once again, vbakermindset.com. As always, we will put the links to her website, podcast, blog, and the page to purchase her book in the show notes. Vanessa, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining me on Win This Year. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. As always on Win This Year, we'd like to give you some resources in case you are facing a mental or behavioral health challenge or you're helping someone who is. You can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. The crisis text line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741741. Community information and referral services are available by dialing 211 or visiting 211.org. And the Not My Kid text line can be reached by texting the word QUESTION to area code 602-580-0665. Once again, text the word QUESTION to area code 602-580-0665. Thanks again to our guest, Vanessa Baker. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win This Year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and nearly every other mainstream podcast platform. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at winthisyear@notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes, along with all the links for Not My Kids social media. I'm Shane Watson, Public Information Officer and Prevention Specialist for Not My Kid. Thank you again for listening to Win This Year.